0: Welcome to the Consumed Church Weekly Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message from guest speaker Todd White. For any further information about this message or the ministries of Consumed Church, check us out at theconsumedchurch.com.
1: Yay. Yay. I love that the only word that you have up in this church is joy. Like there's none of the other. It's only joy. You know, you got, you know, you got, you got peace, patience, kindness, all that. But if you can have that, that's amazing.
0: You guys doing well this morning? Yeah. Well, I
1: love you before I get started.
0: Just, just, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Father. I am. I'm a son, and I understand what that means. And I
1: I didn't know what it meant for a long time. And then when he showed me what it meant to be a son, everything changed. Sin consciousness left and son consciousness entered.
0: Changed my life. Made me not be guilty, ashamed, or condemned. How many of you have never heard me that are in here? How many of you don't have never heard me speak before? Okay, how many of you are scared right now? No, I'm just kidding.
1: I'm just kidding. People see my shirt and they get kind of weirded out. They're like, "That's really bright. And it's not okay. It's not okay that the devil tried to steal our rainbow. I just want to say that to start out this meeting. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm in like minded people because I talked to your pastor and he's on fire, he loves Jesus. I'm super excited about that. I really am. You know, I. I don't know how many years it was ago, how many years was it when I came to,
0: you were at the Chinese church, eight years. I was coming to to speak and I was coming from Pennsylvania and my
1: flights got hijacked, not literally but the time restraint and I got here two hours late and they were worshiping for two hours. When I came in, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, like, I can't believe they're still going to have the meeting. This is so good. And I got, to, I got to share my heart, and
0: I shared on waking up a son instead of waking up a sinner. <laughs> There's so much in that, but the reality of this gospel is that God so loved the world that
1: he gave his son so that he could have us come to what it looks like to be sons and daughters. You know, we all grow up with some kind of father, whether he's good or whether he's bad. And sometimes we allow that to rule our life for our whole life when God wants to father us. No matter whether your dad was really good or your dad was really bad, the Bible says that we must be born again. And that word born again actually means to be re from above. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except by me. So you can live your whole Christian life and not ever know who the father is intimately and live outside of where you're supposed to be. And that place that we're supposed to be. I mean, if you go to Matthew chapter 11, if you can, look, I hear Bibles turn. That's so amazing. Because usually just see people pick up their phones and, and I do it too. I, I use my iPad, my Bible. I mean, my phone for my Bible all the time.
2: But I love it.
1: I love the word. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word. Amen. And Jesus, you know, it says it in Psalms 138, verse 2. It says, you, O Lord, have magnified your word above your name. So anytime we don't take God's word and put it where he put it, we have idolatry going on in our life. (laughs) The reason reason why we don't take the word and put it in that place is because we believe that it's the pastor's job to teach us. And it is the pastor's job to shepherd you. Look, there's a man without his walker. I met him in the bathroom. Every effect of that stroke. Very important. Amazing man of God right there that just sat down. Ooh, I love Jesus, buddy. He's God is Jehovah sneaky. (laughs) He does. He wants us all to carry him in such a way to when we encounter people, we give them the Lord. This is not just for evangelists. Evangelists are not supposed to be the only ones that are out there talking about Jesus. The reason why we put it that way is because we've made our lives what we want them to be instead of what the Lord says that they are. Amen. That right there. The heart cry of heaven right there. We have allowed other people to teach us what an evangelist is, but evangelistic lifestyle is the only lifestyle that God created you to have. Now, I have the office of evangelist, but my job is to equip the saints for the works of ministry. A pastor's job is to equip the saints for the works of ministry. A prophet's job is to equip the saints for the works of ministry. But the key word in all of the five-fold ministry gifts in what we're supposed to equip in is the reality of what it means to be a saint. And if you see what it means to be a saint, you'll no longer live as a sinner. Right. A saint means a holy one set apart. A saint doesn't mean somebody floating in the air when Paul said to the saints who are in Ephesus, to the saints who are in Colossus, he wasn't saying to the people that have died that went to be with the Lord that are floating above Colossus. He wasn't saying that. He wasn't saying that at all. He was saying to the saints, the people that are born again, that have come out, that have separated themselves. They're separated themselves from the world. They're no longer of the world. They're in it, but they're not of it anymore. They're pilgrims passing through, sojourners, people that have pledged their life to a different Lord and master. The Bible says that when someone's born again, they believe in their heart that Jesus is. Do you know that when we get saved, we very rarely believe that he's Lord, even though we eventually believe that. Lord means leader and master. Savior means somebody that saved us. So Jesus saves us, but if we don't move into the next realm of him being Lord, he won't lead us. We'll be led by the world. We will be led by the spirit of the world. We will live like the spirit of the world. We will act like the spirit of the world. And the spirit of the world is sensual and demonic. It's called the wisdom of the world. So the spirit of the world is, governed, is governing people, is ruling people by the way that seems right to a man. And the way that seems right to a man leads to destruction. So we have a war going on that people don't really see. Because we look at things that we can see instead of seeing things that we can't see. Are you with me? This is really, really important. There is a sneak attack. There is. There's the enemy that is battling for your soul. He is looking for this. That doesn't mean, I'm not saying souls like you saved souls. Like how many souls did you save? I'm saying your mind, your will, and your emotions. So your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. There are three parts of man, spirit, soul, and body. So you have your body that is the tent that houses your spirit, but it also houses your soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions, and the way that seems right to a man dwells there. The way that seems right to a man must be annihilated. It must be crushed, and it must be snuffed out. It must be it must be completely renewed, and the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, Romans 12, 2, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove God's will. Approve God's will, which means prove his will everywhere you go. You're required by the Lord to surrender and to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 1. Holy and acceptable, which is your only, it's your only reasonable and pleasing service. It doesn't say it's optional. Are you guys with me? This is called surrender. This is not called incorporate. Incorporating Jesus hurts people. Incorporating Jesus puts you into a category that Jesus says, I wish you were either cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, Jesus incorporated means I brought him in for what he can do for me. I didn't surrender my life to what he wants to do through me. So I'm still holding on to, to everything. Mine, like Nemo, mine, mine, mine. We don't want mine. We don't want mine. It's selfish. See, listen, I've got, you've got to see this. This is so big because we're going to hit this Matthew 11 and probably a million other scriptures in the time that I have. How much time do I have? Really? Look at my wife. She goes, I'm not kidding. Because I've preached for five hours, six hours, seven hours. Because the gospel is eternal. It's always coming. And I don't pre-plan. I was reading something completely different in the back. And then I'm like, okay, Lord, I got it. And then I get up here and he's like, whoop. (laughs) Why? I want to spend time with him in the secret place. I want to go after him. I want to put his word deep inside of me so that I can study not to preach myself approved. So I can study to show myself approved. I can study to show myself that God has approved of my life. And now since I know his will, I get to prove his will everywhere I go. And the devil can't interrupt that. He has no, he has no options. He's optionless because he comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and an abundant life A violently excessive life. Now, listen, that word abundance means violently excessive. So I don't know if you know it or not, but he paid a price to give us a violently excessive life here. And if you're not living a violently excessive life. He wants, listen, some people say my cup is half empty. Some people say my cup is half full. David said my cup overfloweth. So we don't need a half empty, half full cup. We need a cup that overflows. People say, buddy, I need to pray for you, man, so you can be filled up. You can't fill me up. You can't top me off. I've got a never ending well inside of me that never runs dry. I never live in a season of dryness because he's always the Lord. And he's always living water and he's always living bread. And I feast upon him, the word of God, the truth of him. Not just reading it dry, but reading it where the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him completely unfolds the truth of God's word. And he allows that to separate my soul from my spirit. The word of God is alive. It's alive. Are you okay? can we have a little fun? Because I'm going to get intense here in a minute. I just want to, I want you guys to know that I love you and I'm happy and I'm full of. That's right. But my joy comes from
0: my salvation. Do you know that joy comes from the father answering your prayer?
1: In this, your joy will be fulfilled. That when you pray, the Lord answers. Do you know that if I don't get my joy from fulfilled prayer, I have to get my joy from the discipline of prayer? And I'm not supposed to get my joy from the discipline of prayer. I'm actually supposed to believe that when I pray, he shows up. Oh, come on, guys. It is so wonderful. It's all the word. It's all the truth. I don't have anything to give you but the truth. What sets us free? Do you know there's a lot of people that don't believe you can be free until you die? And if that's true, death is your savior and Jesus isn't. He didn't pay a price for you to get free when you die. He paid a price for you to walk in freedom right here. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And where bondage is, it's because the Holy Spirit hasn't had access to that because you don't allow it. He's supposed to be my best friend. Like Jesus said, I'm going to go, guys, and, like, I know it's going to upset you when I go, but if I don't go, he won't come. It's going to be better for you that I go. And, like, Jesus says the best thing that's ever happened to these guys. Are you with me? Like, everywhere you go, everyone's getting healed. Food is multiplying. Like, they got 12 baskets left over after five loaves of bread and two fish and 10,000-plus people. And, like, Jesus is like, it's going to be better that I go think about that statement right there. Think about what he's saying. He's he's with these disciples. I mean, first time he meets Peter, they're on a boat. He's like, let's go out and fish. We fished all night. Yeah, but let's go out. Come on, let's do it. (sighs) Whatever. You know, that's what he's thinking. He's a fisherman. They don't fish during the daytime. They fish at night. The fish go down during the day. They come up at night. They throw their nets at night. They catch the fish at night. So Peter, who is exhausted from the night of no fish, that's his livelihood, goes out with Jesus for the first time. It's exciting. He's like, whatever, throws the, fit, throws the net over, tries to pull it up. It won't pull up. What is happening? The boat's tipping. They're trying to pull up the net. It's too large of a catch. They're freaking out. They bring the fish up into the boat. They lay it inside the boat. And Peter goes, oh, away from me. I'm
0: a sinful man.
1: Why? Because the goodness of God hit Peter's heart. And it's the goodness and kindness of God that leads people to repentance. So Peter is hit by the Lord. You can feel that. It's the
0: Lord. And then Jesus is telling Peter, I'm going to (laughs) go. What? I'm going to go. If I don't go, he won't come.
1: It's going to be better for you. See, the presence of me that's with you is going to be surpassed by the presence of me that's coming in you. There's such a father available through God, the Holy Spirit, and he's the only one that makes the father real. And if we don't step into the reality of the hope of our calling, you are called to be sons and daughters. You're not called to be a people that struggle you're not called to be a people that worry you're not called to be a people that grumble and complain you don't call you're not called to be that one you can't afford to speak Egyptian because you never make it into the promised land he loves you if you see his love there's nothing to complain about all of a sudden your heart's fulfilled because you know your purpose your value your destiny All of a sudden, you know who you are and no one can take it. I am persecuted by so many people. I'm glad. If I'm not living godly, I'm not going to suffer that. Those that desire to live godly will suffer persecution. I am labeled all kinds of great things. (laughs) If they hated Jesus, why do we expect everybody in the world to love us? I don't know if you know it or not, but I'm not really persecuted. Like, when people are persecuted, they're not really persecuted by the world. They're persecuted by the church. Let's never forget that the church is the one that tacked Jesus on the tree. You have to be willing to, like, suffer. But suffering for doing good is commendable before God. That's out of Peter, actually. The new and improved then prove born-again Peter. People sack can relate to Peter, but my question is, which one? Because if you relate to the Peter that got his foot in his mouth, you might need born-again. Because if you read 1 Peter and 2 Peter, it's a different man. It's not the same man. It's not the same man. Read 1 Peter Second 2 Peter. We're talking about a man that was crucified upside down because he didn't think he was worthy enough to be crucified right side up. We're talking about a man... That sold out everything. You know that day of Pentecost came and changed Peter a little? (laughs) I mean, he denied Jesus. How could he get past denying Jesus? How could you get past? Did you watch The Passion? Did you see the movie The Passion? Did you see Jesus? He's being beat. And Peter goes, I don't know him. And he's looking right at Jesus as he's hanging sideways, getting beat.
0: Peter's, Jesus told him he's going to deny him three times. Jesus wasn't hurt by that. No. See, love is never hurt.
1: When Jesus was crucified on that tree, pleased the father to bruise the son, God wasn't crying. Oh no, not my son. Jesus didn't come to live. He came to die so that we might live. But Jesus modeled for us the perfect Christian lifestyle. He wouldn't say follow him if we couldn't. The Bible wouldn't say if anybody has this hope in him, they ought purify themselves just as he is pure. If we couldn't. In First John, he wouldn't say, "Are you with, Are you guys okay?" All right, we're gonna go deep here a little. If anybody would say that they abide in him, they ought walk just as he walked. He wouldn't stay that. He wouldn't say that if we couldn't. The Bible wouldn't say in Ephesians 5, therefore be imitators of God, dear children, if we couldn't do it. Right. People are like, well, you're not God. No, but I am a Christian. And a Christian means a little Christ-like one, a little anointed one with the ability to anoint. Right. Romans eight eleven says that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. Right. Why? Because he's going to quicken my mortal body. I don't just need that at resurrection. I need that right now. There is a quickening that the Lord wants to do in his church right now. So that we stop looking at the news and saying, I can't believe this is happening. To where we actually know that this is actually what's supposed to happen. To where the church actually has a voice anymore and trains their children in the fear of the Lord and the fire of heaven so that when something comes their way, they're burning and they're not going to negotiate their faith. It's time that we shift the statistics of children that we send off to college and 85% of them lose their faith. It's time that our children get baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. It's time that they walk in the reality of what heaven promised. It's time. It's time that we don't lose any more of our kids. It's time that our school systems learn who Jesus is through our children. Oh, my gosh. That's exciting to me. Man, that's exciting to me. Oh, I love this. I know you think I forgot where we were going, but I remember. I do. I was just kind of traveling down this road because Peter, when Peter got baptized on the day of Pentecost, everything changed. Because now he's not just having the Holy Spirit inside of him. Because when Jesus breathed on them in John 20 and says, receive the Holy Spirit, they received the Holy Spirit. He said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. But then in Acts 1, he said, do not go until you're endued with power. Then you will be my witnesses. He didn't just say until you speak in tongues. Tongues is essential. We we need tongues. Tongues are essential. We need that. Why? It edifies my spirit, man. It actually grows the reality of the ability. My spirit, man, can grow because of the reality of tongues. Some people are scared of it. Some people are weirded out. That's just because your brain needs to be in control. Well, I don't really agree with that. It's gibberish. Well, go ahead and take it up with Jesus. When you stand before him, you're going to find out what you say is gibberish. (laughs) is the holy language of the spirit. And God's not intimidated, nor, does he, nor is he concerned with your opinion. Do you know that skepticism didn't come from God? Do you understand that a lot of people are like, well, you know, I'm, I very much analyze things. Do you think that was a gift from the Lord or do you think that was a gift from Adam? Tell me how God gave you the gift of doubt. That is a gift from fallen man. People don't like that, especially skeptics hate that when I say that. I'm not intimidated by you. I love you. But I'm not going to go with the wisdom of man and call that God. The wisdom of man is sensual and demonic. It's full of self-seeking and envy and every. It doesn't say some evil is there. It says every evil thing is there. That means every evil thing hides there. The demonic realm hides in the way that seems right to a man. And since we can't see it, we call it normal. That's just how God made me. Nope, that's not how God made you. See, listen, you were born once. It didn't work. You were born in sin, but we didn't just get born in sin. You were cultivated by the very enemy of God. Your mindset was cultivated by the God of this world. Well, I grew up in church. I get it. You were born in sin. I don't care if you were born on the pew when you came out. <laughs> do you, did you ever see a children's book like called Selfishness? Do you have to teach kids to be selfish? No, put one toy in between two kids and see what happens. Do you have to, keep, do you have to teach kids jealousy? Do you have to teach them anger? Do you have to teach them... You don't have to teach them any of that. They're born with that. That's why we need born
0: again. All right, let's go to Matthew. It's so good
1: (laughs) because it's all the word. So it's not my opinion. I'm not talking my stuff. Anybody that reads the Bible would hear the word in everything I say. Because I'm not trying to give you what I think. Man, our opinions just don't matter. If it's not the truth of God's word, your opinion doesn't matter. <sighs> That's why I never, ever look at Facebook. Because people's opinions don't matter. Look, we have this culture that thrives on Facebook, that thrives on Instagram, because we have to know what people like. So if I'm living by likes, I don't know that I'm loved. I Man, I posted something on there about Santa a few years ago. Remember that? That was so funny. I said, tell your kids the truth about Santa. Stop lying. Oh my gosh, I got attacked by so many Christians. They ferociously went after me. I'm like, wait a minute. Now my birthday's on Christmas, right? So I grew up, I believe in Santa, this woman. I'm just kidding. It's my mom. It's my mom, actually. My mom is here. My wife is here. One of my daughters is here. I have two other daughters, and we have two other sons that are with your children's church right now. But, like, Jesus is so good. But my mom didn't know any better. And so she was just going along with the, Christ- with the Christmas program. So I believed in Santa. And I was very, very adamant about this. I would get sick at night waiting for see if the cookies were eaten. I was like, oh, my gosh. I'd come downstairs, he ate them. And the, and the carrots, too. I was so excited. But I want you to think of the damage that happens because we don't think this way. We're we're just it's the way that seems right. But what is Christmas? Why do we have it? Christ is in it. I mean, the world's making it Xmas and happy holidays. And man, I'll make it real whenever I go in. Merry Christmas. I make sure that everybody knows what's happening. I do. Well, happy Xmas. What is X? What does X mean? What does X stand for? Well, we don't want to offend anybody. Man, you aren't going to offend me. Say it. Well, I'm not allowed to. Come on. You can do it. No one's here just me. Oh, I, I'm not kidding. I don't play with this thing. I'm pretty adamant about the gospel. I'm going to bring Jesus wherever I go and they like it or not. It doesn't matter. He lives in me and he wants out. Christ in you is the hope of glory, but Christ coming out of you is that hope being made manifest. And if he's not coming out of you, you're containing him like a dead sea. And he's supposed to be rivers of living water that come out of you. He's not supposed to be held captive inside of you. The world needs to know that Jesus is Lord. The world needs to know that there's hope. Do you understand that Christ in you is the hope of glory? Glory is the manifestation of God. So when you let the Holy Spirit out of you, the the manifestation of God comes out of you. Therefore, the hope that's in you gets released and other people see, wait a minute, he's real. Hold on a second. All my life, I didn't know he was real. No, no, no. He's real. Can you sense it? Well, yeah, my shoulder is healed. My blind eye opened. The other day I was in a backyard praying for people and a blind person came up and the holy spirit said hug him and i hugged him and his eye opened i'm not an eye opener but the lord is we all have the ability to carry him we all house him it's just we won't all let him out of us because we're afraid fear has captivated the body of christ and shut her mouth so as the church remains silent the world is speaking loudly but read the end of the book we win don't be discouraged by the trash that you see and all the stuff that you see because none of that stuff, it's all a facade. It's all a fake. God's just looking for real Christians to stand up and actually preach the real gospel, proclaim the real t- truth and not bow to adversity. Jesus is Lord. He's King. And he wants you to know that he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the father of Lights, not stars, lights. We are the light of the world. The Father is the Father of lights. And if you see who your Father is, everything changes. If you see that Satan is the Father of lies, Jesus has a Father. His Father is the Father of lights. And when we come to God, we become the lights that He's the Father of. You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. You're a light that lights up your own house. First, you light up your own temple. Here it is. But when you're in a house, when no one else is a Christian there, you shine. The enemy is after your shine. He's trying to dull down your shine. He wants you to put a lamp on your head. He wants you to not shine. He wants you to be afraid because when you're afraid, you can't shine. I've never seen a fearful person shine. The God of this world, Satan, the prince of power of the air, he thrives on fear. Fear is the economy that moves hell. Faith is the economy that moves heaven. When a person's afraid, they have faith in fear. The enemy is creating a vapor prison around Christians. And the reality of this is, is it's really a fake prison that you're really not captive in. The lies keep you there. That's why we need renewed in the spirit of our mind. We need to be born again, which is essential to unlock your potential. But potential unrealized is a silent Christian for life. And one day stand before the Father and realize that you could have done all of
0: these things, but you couldn't because the enemy made you afraid. How you like them apples? his truth. See,
1: I'm possessed. He loves me. He accepted me. You can't reject me. You can't. How can you take away what you never gave me? What What could you do? Not like me? Oh, bummer. Why would I compromise the
0: truth to make you comfortable in your unbelief? Faith this is what God's called us to be a
1: people of. He's called us to be a people that live by faith, walk by faith, not by feelings, not by sight. The body of Christ is very feeling-oriented. If it doesn't feel good, it might not be good. When you get born again, you have to drop feelings and live by faith. That takes the renewal of the mind. Because if we don't spend time in God's word to go after what he says about us, We will live the same way that we did before we got born again, but have full potential as joint heirs, as sons and daughters of God, to be able to utilize every kingdom resource to further his world and not yours.
0: It's so exciting. It's so exciting.
1: I just got back from an Amish tent revival. Amish, revival does not go together. Do you understand what I just said? So we have a school called LCU. It's Lifestyle Christianity University. It's right over in Watauga. Where we train up people in their identity. In that, When I'm talking right now, and I'm not here to sell the school. I'm just telling you what happened. These students that came in a few years ago were Amish. They got to go and explore. They get a certain period of time where they can go and explore. They waited until they were 18. They explored. They came to my school. They got wiped out by the Holy Spirit. They got delivered. There's so much oppression. There's so much immorality inside of the Amish communities. You just, you can't even imagine because when you try to hold, put a bridle in someone's mouth and tell them that you're going to live by the law, you now have a people that live Romans 7 every day. Even though they don't want to, they do it. And even though they will not to, they still do because it's sin in them. That's the culture of the law. You cannot live that way. If you're trying to do it in your own strength, there's always sin inside of you trying to like take you out. But when you get born again, God wants to take the sin inside of you out. And when you do get saved, biblically, John the Baptist didn't say, behold the Lamb of God that forgives the sin of the world. He said, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away So if you see the reality of what God did when you got saved, he took away your sin. He didn't leave it sit there. The blood of animals covers over your sin. The blood of Jesus washed away your sin. If he washed away your sin, you'd have to believe that he did. Or else familiar spirits are constantly leading you down a dark hole. Most Christians won't move into the renewal of the mind. Most Christians coast through and remain comfortable. And we create big places to remain very comfortable and don't mess with my faith. I got Sunday service. I'm good. I just got a good teaching. Now I'm going to go live like the rest of the world, but I'm going to be better than them. I'm going to be good because I'm a Christian. God didn't ask you to be good. He didn't die. Jesus didn't die to make bad men good. He died to make dead men live. He didn't just want to make you good. He wanted to make you supernaturally invincible where the enemy no longer has anything in you. Jesus said, the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. God wants to have Christians be so in love with him as a father that the enemy has nothing in you. And he can no longer speak to you because it's a stranger's voice. You become so accustomed to the father's voice that the stranger's voice is so exposed where he can no longer speak to you. It says, Jesus said, my sheep will hear and obey my voice and the strangers, they will not follow. You have to know the father's voice to not follow the strangers. This is exciting. I'm only like 15 minutes in. Are you guys good? God wants to cut out all the trash and leave us with a fresh fire that we were supposed to have when we were born again. Because when you got born again and you remember, you were like, it's a whole new world. You're like, it's exciting. Like, oh my gosh, what is happening right now? This is so exciting. And then you like went to work and then life, people, and you went to church and not everybody believes this. And what is happening right now? That was my experience. Like, I, I don't know if you know where I came out of, but I came out of pretty dark, man. I came out of the demonic. I came out of horrible stuff. And Jesus, boom, he dropped this bomb and he exploded me and he killed the old guy. See, See, there's this thing that happens when we say yes to Jesus. Look, when we come there, do you remember when you first said yes to Jesus? Do you remember the first day? First day you were like, oh my God, he's real. Do you, does anybody remember that? Do you remember? Do you remember that? When, when, when you got born again, does anybody remember that? Okay, that's not supposed to change. That's not supposed to change. Did Jesus change? When you got born again and you said yes to God and that freedom came, whom the son sets free is free. So when Jesus came, no more shackles, no more chains. Remember that? You're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Woo! When that happens, you are supposed to jealously guard and protect that place with everything in you. God gives you a helmet of salvation to secure the believer's identity. To make sure that you can encapsulate the truth inside of your soul. And your soul is never captive to an enemy that has no mercy. This is to be jealously guarded and protected. No longer will the TV train me. Now I'm going to be trained by the Lord. Because I have left. I was a slave to sin. Now i become a slave unto righteousness. I was lost. Now I am am found i was blind now i see i was dead now i live i was dead in my transgressions i was dead in my sin this is all biblical truth when you were not born again you were dead in sin you didn't know it you didn't see it because you were blind you couldn't have but then all of a sudden god touched you and he gave you a new heart he took out the heart of stone and He put in a heart of flesh and now the things that you used to watch on TV, oh my God, I didn't see that. I don't, do you guys remember that? Like, do you remember when you when you first watched TV and you watched the show that you'd normally watch and you hear cuss words and you're like, whoa, whoa, that's called the sensitized conscience.
2: Come on,
1: that's called the conscience that's sensitized by the Holy Spirit. And it's life. You finally have life, and you you see. You can see. You're no longer blind. You see. But unfortunately, instead of nurturing the divine nature, we feed the carnal nature. And we step right back into eating the same things we used to eat. Watching the same things. I mean, it kind of convicts us at first. Our conscience is,
0: well, that's weird. Yeah, I guess it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. That stuff's not okay. But we tolerate it. And then
1: all of a sudden we're okay. And now our conscience starts to get seared again. We don't shipwreck our faith to be a Christian because we still believe that Jesus died for our sin. But we shipwreck shipwreck the faith. The faith to live Christ-like here because it's so far away. And then we surround ourselves with a comfortable culture that does the same. And
0: we call the church. And we're, we're not really bad people. We're not stealing. We're not, I mean, we're not doing that stuff. <laughs> but you're living in idolatry. Jesus isn't number one. Come on, guys. Your business can be idolatry. If it's
1: before the Lord, it is. Your child can be idolatry. If you love your child more than you love the Lord, it's idolatry. Loving anything else more than God is idolatry, you can call it what it wants, but it's what it is, but it is the way that seems right to a man. And God's defined it. I mean, Abraham and Isaac was a serious story. You look at Abraham and Isaac. I mean, if anybody like loved their kid, you're hundred years old and have a kid? You know what I'm saying? Messed it up the first time,
0: made Ishmael, which is where the nation of Islam comes from. All of a sudden, Isaac comes, the promise. All the stars in the sky hinge upon this one right
1: here. And Abraham's growing with Isaac and loving his son like you should love your son. But God sees that Isaac has moved closer in his heart than
0: he is. So God says to Abraham, I'm calling you to sacrifice your son. Think with me. Feel that. Lord, you you gave me Isaac. You You want me to sacrifice him? Yes, I do, Abraham. I want you to go to the same mountain that Jesus was crucified on. I want you to have him carry the wood. I want you to go up the mountain. It's a three-day journey. Can you? Ooh, I can feel the heart of the father here. Can you imagine the heart of the father carrying his son to the altar that you had Isaac build? Oh, gosh, that's heavy. I can feel that. That's the weight of the heart of a father. And Isaac, you know, Isaac could have overpowered his dad. He's
1: a young buddy. He's like, they're, they're workers. They're no joke. He's a worker.
0: And his dad says, Isaac, I need you to crawl on the altar. Doesn't say there was any struggle. Now, if Isaac was seeking his own life, if he was, he'd have overpowered his dad, but he didn't. Just like Jesus, he laid willingly Ooh, on the altar, and the Father is seeing this,
1: and He raises the knife, and I'm sure He covered His son's eyes because it has to be
0: intense to sacrifice your son. And right before he plunged that knife, the father said, don't do it. Now I see. There's a ram caught in the thicket.
1: Can you imagine the breath of Isaac right there? What kind of bond would Abraham and Isaac have after this experience? Would he not trust his father?
0: I don't think that's how it happened. <laughs> what kind of bond would Abraham have with the father after this experience? All God was doing was removing Isaac out of first place. <laughs> Some of us have lived and made our father our idol.
1: And all of a sudden, you're, you're waiting for your father that doesn't know the Lord to say, I love you. And it's a whole life spent looking to drink out of a dry cup that can never fill you. So we have this expectation. If I just want him to tell me he loves me and he's proud of me, I just want to hear that oh, this is why God has to be first place and you must be born again and you must see him as father because when you see that, you don't need the I love you from your father because you have the I love you from the father and that changes everything and then you can look at your father not as an idol and you can see him the way that a son would see a father. You can forgive him because he doesn't know what he's doing. You can finally fall in love with God and not look at your life and become the same thing that your father did to you, to your kids. Yeah. We need a real encounter with the father. We need his love
0: because he's the best ever. When he comes in, he changes everything. Everything.
1: In Matthew eleven twenty eight.
0: It says, come to me,
1: all of you who labor and are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. So at the initial point, the contact point, when we say yes to Jesus, I mean, I remember my little daughter, she's, her name's Briley. She's 12 now. When She was four. I was, I was in bed. My wife and I were in bed, and I hear my daughter Briley screaming, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, if this is a nightmare, we're going to war. So I'm going to teach her how to war because that's not okay. So I went out and I said, baby, what's going on? And she looked at me and she goes, dad. I said, what's going on? She goes, I, I just gave my life to Jesus. And it was like three o'clock in the morning. I'm thinking we're going to war. I knelt on the floor and said, pray for daddy. There's that time when that rest comes, where Jesus comes and, and, and we say, you know, we're burdened down. We're weighed down by life. And we come to him and there's
0: this, Breath of fresh air. Oh my gosh. God, this is so good. And he gives us rest. But if we don't enter in to 1129, we can't stay there.
1: 1129 says this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Doesn't say learn from your pastor, although your pastor will teach. Well, shepherd. Take my yoke upon you, a yoke in Amish culture. You can see it. They're plowing their fields. And I'll get back to that. and not forget. God's good to me. I go down so many rabbit holes. He helps me come up out of every one of them when I'm done. When you have a yoke, you're like a yoke like two horses. And their horses are huge if you've ever seen them. I mean monster horses. They look like Clydesdales. They're pulling and plowing. But these horses run together, but the, the, the yoke holds them together and they can rely upon the strength of the other if they're weak that day. And so when we're yoked to Jesus, he's your strength. And you're yoked neck and neck to Jesus. If you can't find him, just go like that. You're yoked to Jesus and in your weakness, he is made. Your, your weakness is a magnet for God's strength it's because we don't rely upon that. We rely upon self. And we get back into works again, and all of a sudden, the heavy laden and burdened person that we were before becomes again. But now I have Jesus incorporated.
0: Now I'm relying on my strength, and you burn out because you can't hold the world up.
1: Your job can become idolatry because the American dream Oh God. Is get all you can. Get all you can and then can all you get and then sit on your can.
0: (laughs) Get all you can, can all you get, sit on your can. Because you're set. That's a that's a nightmare.
1: That was really good. (laughs) God, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy. My burden is light, verse 30. So he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened down. And the the initial point of being born again, we're like, oh, he gives us rest. It's amazing, but it's momentary. It doesn't last. Even though it's true that you believed,
0: I'm not questioning your salvation. I'm questioning your joy. Because if your joy comes from your
1: salvation, but if salvation is just get to heaven, you're going to go through hell till you get there. But when you prayed a prayer, you didn't pray a prayer just to go to heaven you actually prayed a prayer of surrender, giving up what no longer belongs to you. Surrendering it to him so that he becomes your everything. Now you're going to choose to do what the Bible says. You're going to learn from Jesus. And when you start to learn from Jesus, the word of God comes that's alive, sharp, and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, Hebrews 4.12. He divides your soul from your spirit. Your spirit is born again. You're one spirit with God. But this thing is in between there. So you've got this, not really in between, because the spirit is hooked to your spirit. Your spirit and God's spirit become one. You're actually your flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone when you say yes to Jesus. You've surrendered your body as a living sacrifice. Like if we'd see it for what it is. Like your flesh can't cause you to sin. Your mind does. When it says the flesh wars against the spirit, he's talking about the carnal mind. Because when's the last time your hand told your mind what it was going to do? You, your hand can't say, I'm doing this, and your mind go, no, you're not, but your hand does it anyway. That doesn't work. Are you with me? It says if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. The, eye, the mind has to premeditate for the eye to do that. Your mind has to premeditate for your hand to do that. Are you with me? So if you can fix this, which comes from learning from Jesus, believing that the word is going to do what it does. He will transform this, which stops this. He will transform this, which stops this. If you protect your eye and your ear gate during the process of mind transformation, because if you obey your convictions, you never step into condemnation. I've lived for
0: 19 years almost. October, well, no, July. Well, I came out of... I went to Teen Challenge in
1: July yeah, I uh, came out in October, yeah, I didn't finish. I went to Teen Challenge for two months and radical encounter with Jesus, but I've nurtured the divine nature, and I spend time going after what it means to be right with God for nineteen years, and I've allowed my conscience to say to stay sanitized. The sanitized conscience is a conscience that's been washed by blood, but has entered into the very place that Hebrews speaks about entering into. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Learn from me and you will find rest for your soul. The soul is the mind, will, and emotions. The transformation of this is what enables you to maintain rest for your soul. When we come to Jesus, he gives us initial rest, and then he breaks the shackles of bondage. You come to him. This is why addiction in Christians' lives creeps back up, because we are nurturing the carnal nature and we're living by feelings instead of walking by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come by having heard. If faith came by having heard, Abraham was told by God, go and sacrifice your son. Abraham would have died if faith didn't come by hearing. Go up there and sacrifice your son. They they travel those three days. They get to the top of the mountain. He holds the knife. If he didn't have faith that came by Abraham, don't do it. He would have sacrificed his son. But faith comes by hearing. See, God, faith doesn't come by reading. Because this word is alive. So when I get in it and I don't understand it when I'm reading it, that's the problem. But if I believe that I can actually have relationship with the author, the author explains the book. So when I'm reading, he's speaking to me and he's changing the way that I think. So the word of God separates your soul from your spirit. Your spirit gets it. And when you read the word, it bypasses your brain. It goes, boom, right into your spirit. So your spirit is like, at first, it's goo-goo gaga. It is. You're born again, you're you're an infant, you're like, ee! Ee! how many of you women have had kids before? Right? When you have a child, when you have a child, like that pacifier works for just a little bit. But that pacifier does not work once that baby's once that baby's ready to eat, it's over. <laughs> Pacifier's gone. No joke. Or the thumb. No joke. That's for real, right? Anybody have any child that was ever any different? We, we, in my house, we call it the mama booba. Sorry, babe. Hey, if anybody's breastfed, they understand what I'm saying. But when my, listen, when this baby, hey, don't walk away. My daughter just rolled out of here. She knew it was coming. When I had Briley and I'm holding her and like, she's done, you know, and I'm trying to comfort her and it's not working. I would go, she wants the mama booba. And I would hand her straight to my. And then Briley would drink and then she'd be good again. They, are you with me? This is huge. This is a big deal. So we see it in the natural. We see it. And in in 1 Peter, it says, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. But we have people that have brought Jesus into their life. And then you expect to be able to be nurtured just when you go on a Sunday. And then you live the way that you do. Or you might have a devotion where you give Jesus five minutes of your life During your day, or you pray, and but it's not praying without ceasing and in everything, give thanks. It's not that it's trying to just go through life. And if things are comfortable, it's good. But when catastrophe hits,
0: Jesus said, We built our house on the rock, not on sand. When we build our house on
1: the rock, what does he say? Who does he say are those that build their house on the rock? They look at the Beatitudes and they actually do the Beatitudes. It's their attitudes of being. So when you live that way, when the storm comes, because you believe the word, you feed on the word and your soul is trained in the word. When the storm comes, your house isn't moved. But when the storm comes and you're not grounded and you're not a just a hearer, when you're just a hearer, but not a doer. Guys, it's so big when you're a hearer and a doer, you're one that looks in the mirror and you know who you are. But when you're a hearer and not a doer, you look in the mirror, walk away and forget your identity. So when a storm comes, your house is getting rocked. Why? And then all of a sudden, you don't have relationship with God, so you're blaming God for what the devil is doing. Why would you allow this? What are you doing? Don't you understand? Yes, he does. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, and the snake bites you and scathed away. He gets away unscathed, unnoticed, and the father takes the rap because we teach that God's in control. Now, all of a sudden, we get mad at a God that only loved us and gave. And now we think he's the one that stole. Yes. Did you see that? Wow. That's how we need to be. Preachers preach and we're like, we're just running through. Okay. I love kids, so it's really okay. Are You guys getting anything out of this? I'm... I'm like going, shooting seed like a machine gun at you. That's what I do. Everywhere I go, I go shopping. Ask her. It's no joke. I'm in a restaurant. I'm sowing seeds. Some sow, some water. God brings the increase. I want to massively sow everywhere I go so that transformation can happen. God loves us. He wants us to know how much he cares for us and how much he's extremely head over heels for us. He loves us. He's passionately in love with us. And if you see it, you'll be passionately in love with him. Amen. All right. I'm going to read this again real quick. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am meek and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your soul. The only way to maintain the Christian life is to enter into intimacy and fall in love with God and believe Him, trust Him, for Him to be completely unadulterated, meaning there's nothing that hinders you from believing that He wants to be with you. And everything in life is set up to attack your, poli- your believer, to get your eyes off of that.
0: Righteousness. Is the only thing that God told us to seek first. Kingdom
1: and righteousness. Biggest chapter on worry, Matthew 6. He says, but you seek first, Matthew 6, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all the things that you worried about, all the things that you were trying to do yourself, all those things, what you wear, what you eat. Come on. Where you live, all those things. But we are taught to seek the American dream. And we are taught to work to provide for our family instead
0: of to work and to provide seed for others. Come on, God.
2: Yes.
1: Are you with me? This is like, this is humongous. This is like the biggest, the biggest tragedy is that we seek lots of stuff first. We seek things first. We seek the American dream. We seek providing for our family first. We are raised with that. and God doesn't want you to not provide for your family. But it says in scripture that God provides seed to the sower. That means that if I am a person that is consistently sowing, you can't help but to have God overtake you with more seed. And he provides bread for the eater. Which means, like, if I'm a generous giver, God, you can't out-give God. Like, He wants to give you so much. People are like, well, that sounds like prosperity. It is. <laughs> but it's not about having the most stuff. It's about being the blessed of the most people, being able to bless the most people. It's about coming into the lives of people, being able to transform their lives with unrighteous mammon. It's about rocking people in such a way that they can't even believe. Why would you do this? Because God so loved the world that he gave. You go into a restaurant and bless a waitress and they're so overwhelmed they can't stand you because you're talking about Jesus. Man, I walked into a restaurant. You okay if I talk about, just share a couple testimonies? Because I live this lifestyle. It's pretty fun. I love it. I get to radically alter waiters' lives and flight attendants' lives and pastors' lives. I just love it. It's so fun. I get to go to restaurants with pastors. And the other day I went with a pastor and, um, from a beautiful AG church I was able to speak at. And, and we went into the restaurant and the waiters come up and the waitress. And I go, hey, I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you so much. He goes, okay. Can I get you something to drink? I said, yeah, I'm having living water. But if you can get me other water, I would like that too. <laughs> the pastor's like, that was good. That was good. <laughs> this lady's not a Christian, so she doesn't know what I'm talking about. But the pastor was like, oh, I like that. That was really good. So we ordered some food and stuff. And she comes back and she said, she's Catholic. And I said, whoa. I said, that's awesome. I said, you know, Mary modeled Christianity. She was like pregnant with God. and I am so pregnant with God right now. <laughs> but I'm about to deliver Jesus to you. So I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm so serious. She's like. Are you okay? I'm like, I am okay. Can I tell you who he is? I said, you know what Mary did? I said, she had one of the most wonderful, wonderful positions on the planet. I mean, no other woman ever got pregnant by God. Think about that. Like in order to get pregnant, you know how you get pregnant. A man and a woman come together, pregnancy happens, the baby happens, but all life comes from God. But the life of Jesus was different. She's like, how? I go, well, Mary never had a man go into her and she got pregnant. Did you ever think about that? No. Okay, well, Mary was a virgin, and then Mary gave birth to Jesus. He's the Savior. She goes, wow, that's really cool. I go, it's so cool. But you grew up Catholic, right? But you didn't really understand what the priest was saying ever. So when you, meant to, when you went to Mass, you didn't understand it, but like you wanted to understand it, so I'm going to make it clear to you now. So the pastor's like, this is really good, really good. <laughs> And all I'm doing is sharing the gospel with a Catholic waitress. And so she's like, yeah, okay, tell me more. And I go, oh, I got to look, listen to this. So this is so cool. So what happened is, and I shared how Jesus grew up as a boy into a man, but he was fully God, fully man. But man, this guy, Jesus. And I shared the truth about him paying the price and becoming sin because it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin so that you and I might become something. But if you don't see what he paid a price for you to become, you can never live the authentic life he paid for. She goes, well, okay, now I've got her interest. Why? Because it's the truth. It's the word. She's never heard the word, but the word's alive. So when you are anointed by God, God takes the word, just like he did on the day of Pentecost, and he cuts the heart of the people you share with. But we don't trust in the anointing. We trust in our head knowledge. We need anointed. Like when I'm preaching to you today, I'm not boasting in me. It's the anointing. It's not because I'm some special gifted person that just talks well. I'm not just a motivational speaker. I'm speaking the truth in love. And the Holy Spirit makes it alive. And he fillets the heart with the truth. God's word judges the thoughts and intents that are in the heart. Oh, and he just... He does, man. He's so good. Do you know when Jesus came into the temple? Do you remember that day? And they were like doing stuff they shouldn't have been? Do you remember that? Comes into the temple and he starts like flipping over tables. Have you, any of you ever seen the visual Bible, like the Gospel of John, when Jesus comes into the temple and he's like, Whoa! Well, I teach my kids that Jesus is amazing and that mean people need Jesus. And I remember telling it, it was Zoe, she's 16 now, but when I told her she's watching the movie, she goes, Daddy, Jesus needs Jesus. It was so fun to hear her say that. I'm like, well, and I I explained to her, but you know, when we get born again, do you know that our life is the temple? Our body is a temple. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. When he comes in, he doesn't just want to put up wallpaper. He wants to remove everything inside of you that disables you from being the house of prayer that he created you to be. And if we allow him his rightful place in here, he will clean this thing, clean the threshing floor. All of a sudden, like his winnowing fork is in his hand, he will thoroughly clean the threshing floor. He will get out all that stuff that's separating you from intimacy. That's what he wants to do. He's good. He's doing it right now, actually, like, just because he can. Because you won't forget this day. It's not because I'm special. I just know him, and he loves me, and he wants you to know how loved you are. And if he can remove that stuff out, if he can remove the Isaacs out of your life and you can actually see who he is and fall in love with him, this world can never have you. And you will come out and you'll be separate, and you will come you will have a different identity. You will know who you are and who you are, and nobody can touch that. Are you with me? And then you can give a devil a bad day every day. And you can remind him that when he crucified Jesus, he really messed up because he created and opened the opportunity for many Christians, just like Jesus, to walk this planet. The enemy is after that. He doesn't care if you go to church. He doesn't care if you sing songs. He cares if you walk and live Christ-like because he's deeply threatened by that. He hates me. I love that. He ruled my life for a long time. And you'll never have a second of my day ever again, ever. And I'm going to raise up warriors in Christ that won't bow to Baal. I am. Oh, woo! gosh. So this lady looks at me. I'm sharing about her faith, being Catholic. And I said, you know what the best thing, Mary? last word Mary ever said in the Bible. You know what it was? They were at the wedding of Cana. And Jesus was like at the wedding and they ran out of wine. And every Catholic knows this story. They do. And I said, you know what happened? I said, they came to Mary and they said, we ran out of wine. So Mary goes to the only one that can change anything about this. It's Jesus. Now, Jesus only did what the father told him to do, showed him to do. And he only said what the father said. So when Mary said they ran out of wine, Jesus said, what does that have to do with me? My time has not yet come. So in other words, the father said, it's not your time. Jesus wouldn't have said that. So then Mary, still pregnant with Jesus. Jesus is 30 years old. She's still just as pregnant as she was the day that she gave birth to him because he's the Messiah and he hasn't been revealed and she is burning inside. She turns to the servants and she says, do whatever Jesus tells you. And God gave Jesus different marching orders because what was reserved for another day was pulled into her day because of the hunger that's in her heart. And Jesus went, fill these water pots with water. The last thing Mary ever said was, do whatever Jesus tells you. And this girl goes, yeah. I said, well, Jesus says you must be born again. She goes, what do I do? Just shared the quick gospel with her. She gave her life to Jesus. She's like, whoa. The pastor's crying. He goes, we haven't even gotten our food yet.
0: But she's got her food. How many meals have been cold?
1: (laughs) I eat cold
0: meat because I've got to talk to them. That's him. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I will not hold him back. God didn't save me so I could hide him. He saved me so I could love him out loud. In front of a world that doesn't know any better. So she walks away. We get her contact. She's gonna
1: be plugged into the local church there. And another man comes to the table and he's pouring the water in my cup. And I said, Hey buddy, Jesus loves you. He goes, Oh yeah? And he just went, Rah! And he just exploded i didn't even hear what he said he just was so mad i'm like wow i said you're talking to the right guy bro i got tears in my eyes from the other girl still i said i'm so glad that you're talking to me right now oh yeah what are you going to do about it i said oh buddy do you know who you're talking to he goes, some crazy Christian guy that thinks that his God, some eye in the sky, some raw that needs a crutch to get through life. And rah, 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 rah. That was me. I said, oh, keep going. The pastor's like, oh, my God. And people are looking in the restaurant like, what is going on right now? The guy's freaking out. He's just manifesting. I go, anything else? Goes, no, I'm done. I said, can I talk? He goes, yeah. I said, you messed with the right guy today, bro. You know why? Because I'm not as scared of you. (laughs) I said, you're hurt and you've been devastated by Christianity. I said, you've had hypocrites live in your life and walk out what's not the gospel. So now you call that Jesus and you're wrong, buddy. I said, you've talked to the right guy today. You know why? Because I was lost, because I was a liar, because I was a thief, because I destroyed people's lives. And I hated Christians just like you. You talked to the right guy. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he's just like come on. Like I thought he was going to fight me. And I'm like, I would have take one for the team. I'd have ducked. I'd have probably held him. I used to fight buddy. I can do it, but I won't because my war is not against flesh and blood. There's a demonic principality that's holding this kid. If you see that, you'll be able to witness and realize that these people are not your problem. You are. If you've got a problem with this one, this one, and this one, it's not them. It's you. What are you trying to say? You don't know how they did me. No, you're in the way. They don't know who they are. Jesus, bleeding on a tree, said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yet we call unforgiveness normal, and we say, we're working on it, brother. You're not working on it. You're in unforgiveness. There's no excuse, except you don't see who you are, and you don't know who you are. So you're letting that bind you and control you and manipulate you, and you're letting Satan be the God of your world instead of Jesus. And I'm talking to him like this. And he's like, oh, yeah. And I said, yeah, man. And I shared, I said, I used to be a drug addict, bro. I was a drug addict for 22 years. I I grew up in a children's home. I started drugs at 12. I started porn at eight. He said, "Okay." I said, "I'm, I'm 53 years old, about to turn 54. Something happened to make me the right guy that you want to talk to. He said, well, what happened? So I said, man, I said, I, I was in this place. I I joined the Marine Corps. I actually went to boot camp. I went AWOL. I ran away. I was extradited back from Colorado, put in military prison. I'm sharing my testimony with them. Everybody in the restaurant is listening. They're acting like they aren't, but they're nosy. There's a confrontation happening. So they're acting like nothing's going on. The manager's listening. The other waiters are listening. The cook staff is listening. The people at other tables, because he wants to get loud. So I'm going to now share the gospel at the same tone that he's sharing with me. But I'm not going to be mean about it. I'm telling him a testimony. And a testimony means do it again, God. Testimony means if you did it in me, you'll do it in him. That's what testimony means. When you share your testimony, there's a time when you came to God because Jesus became real. And I'm sharing with him. And I said, and then I was extradited across America and put in military prison, man. Five and a half months later, they let me out and I ran away again. Two months later, I hid for a year in Colorado, living the dream. A year later, that dream was over. I get get arrested. I get put in jail. I get extradited a second time. I get put in military prison again. He said, dude, that's a bummer. I said, oh, it gets worse. (laughs) I said, I was in there for about six months. They gave me a bad conduct discharge, which is a big chicken dinner. They kicked me out. Now I'm out, don't know who I am. I'm clubbing, I'm going to bars, I'm doing whatever. But I meet this girl. I trick her into thinking, I'm amazing. We move in together. She falls for it. She's very independent. I'm a liar, I'm a thief. We're together for for about a year and a half. She gives birth to our child. When our child was born, I become suicidal, bipolar, borderline schizophrenia, manic depressive Like, I've got all this stuff. I'm on medicine and drugs to try to stop this thing from going crazy. Now I'm suicidal, and I want to kill myself. And if she's going to leave me, that's what I'm going to do. He goes, what did you do? I said, well, she stayed with me. And then she told me she was going to find another man to take care of her. I told her, if you do, I will kill him, make you watch, kill you, and kill myself, and leave our daughter with nobody. Go ahead and pull the trigger. And she lived that way for seven years. A daughter, seven and a half year old. See, I didn't grow up in Christ. I didn't grow up a Christian. I didn't have Christians that were burning for God in my family. I had people that, that, that knew about God, but didn't have relationship with God. And I was the guy that was going to hell and nobody shared the gospel. And for 34 years of my life, no one shared the truth with me because everybody was afraid. 34 years, I walked this world and not one person told me how much Jesus loved me and how good God was because we have a bunch of christians that are christians for themselves that's not okay and i'm telling this kid and he's like yeah yeah christians for themselves that's right that's right oh he's feeding into this and i said so i threatened her and all of a sudden man 19 years ago i came home one night she's gone almost 19 years it was 18 years ago she's gone she left Man, I'm gonna go get a gun. I'm gonna blow my brains out. So I drive over to her stepdad's house to get a rifle. Because when I came home, my daughter left a letter and said, "Mommy's, you know, mommy's never coming home." All that stuff. So I went and I went to this. I went to her stepdad's house to get a rifle. And on the way to the gun cabinet, I opened up a phone book and it flipped open to churches. I'm not thinking, "Ooh, let me find a church." I just flipped that thing over, flipped open to churches. I made a check at one of the 586 churches in my hometown. I drove to that church and I let this pastor have it, buddy. Let me tell you something. And I exploded. And his name was Dan Moeller. I exploded on Dan. He goes, okay, buddy. All right. I'm not your buddy. I said, I didn't come here to hear about Jesus. He started talking about Jesus. He goes, this is a church. Why did you come here? So said, I don't know. Open the phone book. Flipped it open. Checked one of these. Ran into you. He said, well, you know what? You just told me you're going to kill yourself, right? I said, yeah. He goes, why don't you give your life to somebody that wants it?
0: But in my mind, who would want this? <laughs>
2: who
1: would want the tragedy and the damage that I bring into the world? Who would want it? He said, Jesus. I said, come on, bro. He's not even, he's dead. He said, oh, no, buddy. He's alive. He shared his testimony with me. And I go, there's no way that that's you. He said, no, that guy died. I go, enough. Enough. Because it didn't make sense. Something touched my heart. So that day, I incorporated Jesus in. I didn't surrender. But I said, whatever, man. If he wants my life, he can have it. There, I did. it. That was pretty much my prayer. I left. He said, here's my number. I said, I don't need your number. And I'm telling this kid this whole thing. This kid's like, what happened, man? I said, well, that's just it. I didn't surrender. I incorporated. I just brought him in for maybe get my girlfriend back. So I went home, and I called my daughter, and I said, hey, baby. She goes, mommy's never coming home, daddy. Mommy's never coming home. I said, you tell mommy that daddy found God. She goes, what's he like, dad? I said, I don't know. But this pastor says his God's going to change your daddy's life. You need to kick and scream and do whatever you got to do. Get mommy to come home. She goes, daddy.
0: I said, I'll be waiting. Click.
1: Manipulation. In the name of Jesus. So she comes home. She's pretty angry. Oh, now you're going to be a lying, hypocrite, holy roller. I don't even think so. And I deserved it. I earned it. Man, I I earned it. So sure enough, man, put my daughter to bed. Everything's going to change, baby. I love you. Daddy, I'm so glad you found God. Me too. One and a half hours, I'm out on a cocaine bench, stealing our money on a debit card again, ripping us off because I didn't have a job. Nine years I've been with her. Never, ever held a job. Had 30 jobs that we can remember. Quit and got fired from every one. Deadbeat dad, never a provider, only a thief. Repossessions, bankruptcies, you name it. I did it all. I did it. She's very responsible. She's working. She's a steady worker. She's the breadwinner. I am winning nothing. But she's not a Christian, and she's pretty angry, and I've made it really bad because now I'm going to incorporate Jesus in for a better day. Don't think so gets worse and worse and worse. So five and a half months, I'm living as this hypocrite, the one that you hate, telling the kid. He goes, yeah, man, it's exactly right. They're all hypocrites. I said, and I was number one. Then five and a half months in, I go out one night, and this bad binge man ripped off this dealer. My girlfriend and my daughter followed me out in town. I ended up picking this kid up. I lost them out of the parking lot, lost them. My daughter's, Daddy, you promised you'd never do it again. <laughs> Gone. Picked up some kid, York, Pennsylvania. Picked up a kid, ripped him off. 15-year-old kid, got him in my car. Told him I'm a cop. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say kind of will be used against you. Yeah, because after I got out of the Marines, I got felonies and felonies and misdemeanors. And I've been arrested. and I've been read my rights plenty of times. So this kid's like, I knew you were a cop. I knew it. He's punching the dashboard. I said, get out of the car and put your hands on the hood. And when he gets out, his foot went out. His other foot went out. I hit the gas. He spun around and unloaded a nine millimeter right outside my car. The kid goes, what happened? I said, those shots rang out. He emptied the clip right outside my window. The flashes of light went through my car. And a voice spoke to me and said, I took those bullets for you. Are you ready to live for me yet? And the kid said, what do you think that voice was? I said, Jesus, the one you don't believe in. I watched it hit him. He just stood there. He's looking at me. He's got tears in his eyes. He's never heard anything like this. The pastor and his wife are bawling because they hadn't heard my testimony. But the whole restaurant's hearing my testimony because he did it. See, he provoked the gospel. He didn't provoke anger. So I'm sharing and I said, I went to this place. I get, that night I came home, there were no bullets in my car. None of them hit me. None of them, but the voices in my head. I took those bullets for you. Are you ready to live for me? I went to a place called Teen Challenge. I lost my girl. I lost my daughter. I lost everything. I'm done. Finished. I had dreadlocks before. I shaved my head bald. I was in a band. Actually, that's another part of testimony. We're not going there. But I was a singer in a band. I was the front guy. I was moving the bar. I was that guy. I sang, not like I sang earlier. <laughs> I said, no. <laughs> it was really bad. We were planning on getting signed, like it was a big deal to me. So I go to Teen Challenge, shave my head, went into this program. I submitted to God. The Bible says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. It's not a two-step program. It's one step. It's your submission that resists the devil. But your submission honors the truth that God says that his word needs to be number one. And when you fill your heart and mind with the word, all of a sudden you know the truth. You walk in freedom. And you bring freedom everywhere you go in transformation. So I went into Teen Challenge. I couldn't read. I'd never read a book before. So I had ADHD, learning, just learning comprehension issues. I, I, couldn't, I could read, but I'd drift. I'd daydream like I'd read and <laughs> I'm gone. I'd read a whole chapter and not remember. It's like when you drive somewhere and not remember that you, how you got there. Did you ever do that? You drive somewhere and you're like, whoa. You were thinking about something so intensely that you went there. Subconsciously, you're there. But, like, you don't remember it. That's how every time i try to read was. And it's a dilemma in the body of Christ with the word, with the word of God. With most Christians. If the enemy wants to keep you there. Think that you can't get it. But he wants, God wants you to learn from him. He's amazing. So I'm in Teen Challenge. I'm going through. It's like boot camp in there. Any new no joke, you know? And and I lost everything. So I'm starting with nothing. But I have him, and I need to find him because he found me. I need to find rest, right? So all of a sudden, we're talking inside of inside of the class one day. It's like a month and a half in, and uh, I hadn't had a real revelation except I know God's real. I know he spoke to me. I'm trying to read. I'm flipping Russian roulette through the Bible. Don't know how to do the index. None of that stuff. So. Where do you read Leviticus? Oh no! <laughs> right, I'm just trying trying to find out what to do here. Like, oh my gosh, the fatty liver and the oh my gosh, like whoa, crazy, right? Whoa! And so they're talking about trials the day before, and they said, "Consider it joy, my brethren, when you face various trials." I start freaking out. I'm like, "You're kidding, right?" They're like, "No, no, no, consider it joy." So you're telling me right now that when I go in front of the judge and I'm guilty, I'm supposed to be happy about that. And they go, well, that's not what they're... I said, no, you said trial. I know what a trial is. I've been on them my whole life. So don't tell me I know what a trial is. And they're like, brother, settle down. I'm not settling down. You guys, that's crazy. I don't get it. I got to be alone. So... I literally am like, okay, okay. So the next morning I woke up, I settled down. But the next morning I woke up, I went up to the prayer room. So I would go there every morning before everybody got up for an hour, regardless of who was in there, regardless of who saw me. I don't go to a prayer room so people can see me go there. Like I'm not trying to, yeah, I'm going to the prayer room. That's not okay. God sees the motive of your heart. So I end up going in there in the morning and I opened that. Where's that scripture? I went to James. I'm like, where is that thing? I didn't know that James was Jesus's brother. I didn't know that James was the brother of Jesus, the one that didn't even believe in Jesus. The one that says, "If, "Come on, if you're going, go to the festival so people can see these things that you're doing, for everybody wants to be seen. It's not my time to go to the festival. The world loves you, but it hates me. You go. It's not my time. That's the brother.
2: <laughs> and he,
1: he becomes the pastor of the Jerusalem church, like, "Are you kidding me?" And his real name was Jacob, but it's pretty amazing. I know that now, but where is that scripture? I see this scripture in wisdom. It says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. And I'm not kidding. I just went, oh my God, I don't have a clue. I don't have any wisdom. I started celebrating the fact that I had no wisdom. (laughs) I'm wisdomless. I'm streaming in the prayer room, streaming. Whoa, I'm wisdomless. Thank you, God. I don't have a clue. I'm yelling for like 35 minutes by myself. Sound like a lunatic was in the room. But don't you know that the lights came on right there? And then I said, you know what? I still hate trials. I shut the Bible. I didn't want to look at it. So here I got some revelation from God that I don't lack, that I lack wisdom. Then I got this revelation that Peter got. This shall never happen to you, right? When he said that to Jesus at Caesarea Philippi, because he said, you just heard from God. Bless you, Simon. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. You said I'm the Christ. Only the Father can tell you that. Then he says, I'm going to be crucified. Simon goes, this will never happen to you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Why did he say that? He said, because you have in mind the things of man and not the things of God. Because you have the wisdom of man going on. And it's sensual and demonic. And when you say, chill out, I'm only human, is saying, chill out, I'm only demonic. take it up with him wisdom that we've learned is not god wisdom from above is peaceable, gentle willing to yield full of good fruits and without partiality and without hypocrisy that's the wisdom from above that's what we need so i'm like freaking out then i hear this little voice first time i heard god's voice except i took those bullets for you i don't want to ever hear that again like that but this time it says I said, I hate trials. And this little, still from my voice sounded like my thought, my voice in my head. Said, that's because you're always guilty. I said, I am always guilty. I'm way more guilty, all of you, or more guilty than you got caught for. You didn't get caught for everything that you've done wrong.
0: No joke.
1: I'm so glad I didn't get caught for everything I did. I was horrible. There's so many twisted stuff in there. So then the next voice comes and says, what if I say you're not guilty? And I go, well, that's stupid. I am guilty. Totally. I'm way more guilty. I'm guilty. This is the problem in Christianity. The next voice is about to change my life. I heard the next voice, and the voice said, I say you're not guilty. And I went, that's the devil. I walked out of the room. I did. That's what I thought. That's too good to be true. How can I not be guilty when I've done all these things? This kid's like, what did you do? I said, I walked out to a counselor and I said, tell me right now that like, I'm not guilty. He goes, you're in Teen Challenge, buddy. I went, thanks, man. You're right. I am. I'm in Teen Challenge. I'm there for a reason. Like, it's an intense place. But people that graduate from Teen Challenge, 76% of people stay clean for life. They don't ever talk about drugs one time. They don't talk about serotonin levels. They don't talk about chemical imbalance. They talk about new creation reality. This is, this is how you mess up N.A. meetings. Hi, my name's Todd, and I'm a brand-new creation. No, 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 no. Listen, you're a recovering addict. No, 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 that guy died. I'm brand-new. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That is not a part of the program. No, 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 I made Jesus my higher power because he's the only power. What are you recovering from? No, I am recovered. <laughs> Hold on a second, buddy. Listen. Where's your sponsor? Holy Spirit. (laughs) It messes everything up. I'm not against AA and NA, but it started with Jesus and they took Jesus out. That's why it only has a 10% success rate. And that is only with continued meetings for life. Because if I make a tree my higher power, never mind. So I'm sharing, with this, I'm sharing with this next counselor. I go, tell me the truth. Is it true the blood of Jesus makes me not guilty? And this guy goes, well, theologically speaking, theoretically, and he went deep, and I am not deep. Just give me simple childlike words. Think, five-year-old. What does the gospel say? I said, man, I don't know that I'll ever understand you. He goes, well, one day you will. I go, well, thank you. Appreciate you. Walk to the next counselor. And I walked to him and this guy had something different in his eyes. He had a lamp in there. Like the lamp was single. It was real. Just like that guy Dan did when I was out there in the world. The pastor. I said, man, is it true? And this guy looks at me and he goes, absolutely, brother. (laughs) I was so freaked out that I snatched him up by his shirt. I said, don't mess with me. And I have tears in my eyes. I said, don't tell me that. He goes, no, no, no. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from all of your sin. I said, are you saying that everything I did, the blood of Jesus takes it away? He said, as if you never did it. And I said, what proof do you have of this? And he shared a couple of scriptures. I went up into the prayer room and I'm freaking out. I am going nuts because Dan shared that with me outside, telling me how I've been right with God and telling me how you're a new creation and all that stuff. So now all the seeds that Dan planted in my heart and he was going after it are like, oh my
0: gosh. I go, oh, for the first time in my life, I wasn't guilty. I wasn't ashamed. And I wasn't condemned. I'm like, wait a minute.
2: Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Most Christians think it's too good to be true. No, it's so good because God is true. So now I'm freaking out. Dude,
1: guess what? Don't forget. Counselor like, praise God. No, no, no. You don't understand. (laughs) Now I'm a problem. Now I'm an agitator. Because this guy that was lost is now found. This guy that was blind now sees. This guy that was dead is alive. And I'm freaking out. Like, dude, guess what? God doesn't see me as if I sinned. He sees me as if I never sinned. Okay. No, no, no. You don't get it. Like, all I did was sin my whole life. And God sees me as if I wasn't it's not there anymore. Like I'm brand new. And he's like, the one counselor's like, you need to settle down. I go, no. <laughs> he said, well, we don't want you to be like that seed that fell upon the rock. I said, I don't even understand what you're saying, bro. Cause I'm not a seed. Cause I don't understand that stuff. What I do understand is that I'm finally, I'm free. Like I'm so excited. And this, this,
0: Waiters looking at me like, what? And I said, what you need is freedom. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say
1: you're in bondage, bro. You've been lied to. The devil has headlocked you. It's time to come out of that headlock. He looks at me and he goes, what? Kind of his last form of defense. I said, you know, I said, I had three encounters with Jesus three nights in a row after this happened to me. A week late, two weeks later, the third night, he told me to go home. And when I got to my house, I held my daughter for the first time as a father. And I saw her as my daughter. I saw her from a father's perspective. I didn't know what it meant to be a father, but now I do because I met the father. And my daughter looks at me. She goes, Daddy, your eyes are different. And I never saw her as a dad. I mean, I I was a dad, but I didn't see her as
0: a father. But now I
1: know that I'm going to show her the father. And our
0: job is to show our kids the father. Our job is to show our wives the father. Men, women,
1: you are called to show people the father too. my daughter's hugging me and I'm telling her how I can't live there because I messed mommy up so bad. I'm so sorry, baby. All the stuff I did, I'm sorry. She goes, daddy, for what? Why are you sorry? I said, because of all the night, my, my, my girl kept her up on the couch with her to comfort her in the, bit, in the midst of the addiction, three, four nights a week. And her whole life, she's lived that way. Daddy punching holes and indoors doors and hitting trees and smashing windows and getting out of the car and punching somebody, knocking them out in the car behind me, and my daughter watching that stuff. Like, she grew up with an animal. She's going to have a lot that she's going to need healed from because this stuff is, I did it my whole life with her, her whole life, that's all she knows. So all of a sudden, my girlfriend comes out, and I'm trying to tell her how sorry I am. And man, when I was a waste, she gave her life to Christ. <laughs> Dan poured into my daughter and poured into my girl. And I'm looking at her and I said, I'm sorry. And she says, I know you are. She said, when you were away, I gave my life to Jesus. And I'm like, oh my God, like what? My first conviction is I cannot live here. I can't live here. I can't just do this. Like, I can't just do this again. Because I've got a covenant with God and I know my covenant with God. And I don't have any covenant with this girl And hopefully one day we could do it. It was my dream coming out of Teen Challenge that one day I could marry this girl that one day she'd forgive me. Now she's forgiven me, but I'm not going to jack stuff up just by moving in with her. She goes, oh, no, 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 no. We need to be married. I go, what?
0: (laughs) See, she wouldn't cry if it's not still real. It's It's real. And she wouldn't cry if I wasn't living this. And I looked at her, and I told her I loved her. and She said, no, we need to be married first. And I looked at Dan, and I
1: said, man, I said, what? What is going on? He said, I've been pouring into your daughter, pouring into your girl and you've been gone. I said, we need to plan this. He goes, you're not planning nothing. We'll do it on Sunday in between first and second service. So I'm still so convicted because, like, what am I going to do? And my house is full of pornography and full of all the stuff that ruled my life and made me feel like a man. <laughs> like Penthouse, Playboy, Hustler, all that stuff ruled my life. Pornography, like, ruled my life secretly, of course. I've got to get rid of that. All my bongs, my bowls, my paraphernalia, all my stuff that's in the house, I've got to get rid of it. Why? Because it doesn't have anything to do with me nor me with it. And the Holy Spirit's pounding my heart. Get inside and clean your house. So I went inside the house by myself. No one saw me but the Father. Because see, when God cleans your conscience and he convicts you of something, when you obey it, you'll never live in condemnation. So I'm going through the house convicted. Woo, going through, getting everything. I Trash bag, I take out the back door, down the steps, put it in the burn barrel. I smash it with a sledgehammer and I take a trail of gasoline and light that thing. I did. So now it's burning. No one sees me but the Father, but my heart was pounding because God says in his word, by this time you ought to be a teacher, but you need someone to take you back to the very first principles and oracles of God and come to need milk instead of solid food. For solid food is for the mature. That is not the time that you've been a Christian. That is the depth of the revelation of righteousness that hits your heart that enables you to discern between both good and evil. For they have their senses trained because they have discerned between both good and evil because they've been trained in righteousness. And what I didn't understand was my pursuit of seeing that I've been forgiven and believing it means that the righteousness of God has hit my heart. God removed my sin as far as the east is from the west, my sins and my lawless deeds he remembers no more, and I believe it. And that cleans the heart, cleans the conscience, and enables you to live debris-free. So I burned all that, worshiped God. And a couple days later, we got married in between first and second service. And this kid is looking at me like, I said, bro, I stood up and I said, can I hug you? He goes, yeah. Gave him a hug. I go, you know what you need to do? He said, give my life to Jesus. I said, yeah. I said, what are you going to do? He goes, let's do this. The pastor and his wife are wrecks. They don't even know. They are like, so the kid gives his life to Jesus, gets born again. Super powerful people in the restaurant are like, what is happening right now? So Jesus loves (laughs) y'all. But that is seed for them. They'll never get out of that because they heard the animosity. And when you walk in faith and when you walk, when you endure the suffering, For the sake of God's elect, what happens is you give them the picture of what a real Christian looks like so that when they're faced with something that's serious, they can actually step out in faith because they saw somebody live as an example and step out in faith themselves. That was really good, wasn't it? Yeah, that's really good. I mean, my wife and I have been married. Married this year is going to be 19 years, October 24th. We've got our oldest daughter. Her name's Destiny. She's 26. She's been married for three years now, three and a half, almost three. Almost four years, three and a half, almost four years. And she's given us our first grandbaby who is one-year-old. Her name's Annalee. Pretty amazing. She actually runs the performing arts over at our academy, and his daughter is part of the dance program. You're in it? Are you the one? Give me some. Do you like it? Is it fun? Is it amazing? Do you ever talk about Jesus in there? You don't? (laughs) Give me the phone. Watch this. I've been in the classrooms with the kids, and I'm watching them through the windows. My wife has watched. We sit there and fall because there are little kids on the floor weeping in the presence of the Lord. I'm talking like crazy because it's not just like this Christian click dance program. It is absolutely kids need to know the Holy Ghost. Kids need to understand Holy Spirit. Like you can have a dance. You can have a Christian dance studio. And, and it can be Christian music. It can be all that. But man, I want my kid possessed by Jesus. I want my kid to go after. Destiny's been dancing since she was two. And so they do, they do an amazing job. They did a program. They did this play this year. I don't know if any of you came to it. It's called The Beloved. I get so Wiped out. Briley's in it. Like she's 12, my little precious Briley. She's in dance. She's been doing how many years now? Five years already since she was seven. And she's really good. And she's drama. No, she's good at drama is what I'm saying. Come on. (laughs) No, but she's precious, has the softest heart ever. We have another girl. Her name's Zoe. She's 16. We're sending her with Heidi Baker when she graduates. She's going to be wiped out. I told her, you probably won't come home. She goes, probably not. (laughs) It's just amazing. Then we have another son. His name's Azariah. We got him when he was born, his birthday. We're celebrating his birthday today. He's going to be seven. Um, It's tomorrow, but he was born on Father's Day. Um, And we got him. He was born uh, to a mom that was heavily addicted to heroin. And we were able to adopt him. We got him at birth. And we had to go through uh, three weeks of, of intense, <clears throat> intense, intense withdrawal. Watching your little baby just, he had to be on methadone to get free. Now he's seven and he has a photographic memory. He's a genius. He's free from every bit of any kind of drug addiction. There's no issues. He's a brilliant little kid. Then we have another little son. His name's Asher. We adopted him. He was was born to a mom that was in a really bad situation, and she chose to hold him for us to adopt him, and he is going to be four in just a little bit. They're growing up so fast. I am so thankful for what God's done. I did bring a book with me. It has the stuff I shared with you today, um, the testimony, but it's in depth of all the darkness. It's from dark to light. It's called the Todd White Story. It doesn't look like a Christian book. It has me on the front. and It's actually the colors of a rainbow behind it. It uh, Listen, people are like, well, I don't really like, you know, and your hair is a little. (laughs) This man is possessed by Jesus. You know what my hair is? Fishing lure. Jesus said, I will make you a fisher of. This is a fishing lure. Everywhere I go, people are like, man, kind of musician or what? Sitting on the plane, I'm like, oh, yeah, kind of. And I get to share the gospel. I have seen so many people come to Christ. That situation that I just shared at the restaurant happens every day of my life. Because I'm surrendered and I'm filled with the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. God loves you folks so much. And he just, all he wants is your full surrender. He doesn't want you to just incorporate him. All he wants is everything you are. I mean, all God asks you to do is to give up who you were never created to be in the first place. Because you aren't created for you. You're created for him. And it doesn't take a long time. It only takes one act of metanoia repentance to where we turn and we look at things from God's perspective instead of the perspective that you've been looking from. He loves you and he wants all of you. He doesn't want just part of you. Don't just give him your heart. I would hate to incorporate him into my heart and hold back my life. He wants your life. He loves you and he wants you to know how loved you are. It's different to say God loves you than being
0: loved by God. One more scripture. You guys okay? <laughs> Last night she goes, you went too long. If, you, if you're done before
1: I do, baby, you can go. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> we have a birthday. We have Father's Day and birthday party to celebrate today, and it's exciting. Listen,
0: I want to see every one of you. He says, it's possible. I believe that with everything in me. Oh. Scripture
1: says, not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter in on that day. And on that day, they will say to me, didn't we heal? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? So that's not saying that people aren't doing works in Jesus' name. But he says this, away from me,
0: I never knew you. He didn't say that they didn't claim to know him. There's a difference between you
1: saying that you know him and you knowing intimately that he knows you. Because the next part of that scripture is you who practiced lawlessness away from me, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does that mean? That means that they had no idea of who they were in God, but they claimed to know him. Your proclamation of knowing him is far eclipsed by the reality of you knowing that he knows you. Because when you know he knows you, intimacy happens. Therefore, the works aren't done as God's stamp of approval on your life. Just because you can pray for the sick and they can be healed isn't the stamp of approval of God. The fact that he knows you through intimacy and relationship and that Jesus isn't just a crutch to get through life. He's the absolute stone and rock on which you stand. He is the anchor of your soul. He is the shepherd and overseer over your soul. The reality of this is that we need to fully surrender our hearts and lives to Jesus and need him the necessity of him to teach you through his truth where you can build a life of intimacy to where you know that you're not just known by people you are known by the Father yeah. and all of a sudden the miraculous is now just the sign that follows them that believe it's absolutely the reality of what sonship what sonship includes includes. Signs and wonders are to follow sons and daughters of God. The healthy way to have signs and wonders follow is that you know who you are and whose you are, and you know you're loved by God so that we don't do just build a ministry on miracles. I believe in miracles. I see them every day of my life. I'm going to see them. We're going to see them today. We've already seen a couple today. It's going to happen again because God loves you, but this is not what validates me. What validates me is the blood of Jesus, and that my hands and my heart are clean and pure, and I love the Lord with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength. Are you with me? Okay. Quick ask. Um, I wish I could play those keys, but I can't. Is there some? Do you play the keys? No. Okay. Wow. I was like, I thought you were coming to repent. I'm like, all right, that's just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know you love the Lord with everything in you. It's real. I know it. Oh. Can you just play some, just some pads? Just something. I, I love him. I love Jesus with all my heart. All I am as an example of somebody that's surrendered. All I am is, a, is a, a man that loves Jesus with all my heart. That will not be swayed by the world. That will only Only be swayed by Jesus, the one that loves me, the one that gave himself for me. It says that we've been crucified with Christ. We no longer live, but the life we live, we live by faith in the one that gave himself for us.
0: He loves us big time. And all he wants is all of you. He doesn't want some of you. He wants all of you. He doesn't want just your heart.
1: He doesn't want just a little bit of your mind. He wants every bit of you. And on this Father's Day, it will be great to give God the gift of yourself. Yeah. To give God the gift of yourself and to not hold back from him. So so in my heart, my question is, if you know that you haven't surrendered everything to him and you would like to, would you stand up, please? That's all. I don't need you to run up front. Just, Just stand up. It's okay. It's all right. And you're not bad people. You're just saying, hey, look, I got stuff and I need to give up and I just want God. That's it. It's not It's not like you're horrible people. It's just, hey, God, I want, I want all of you in my life. That's it. I just want all of you. Amen. I'm standing up. Why? Because I, I want everything. I want all that God has from me. I'm not like, I'm not like not a part of this. Guys, like I don't want to go through life with like a room that he's not in. Oh my gosh. I don't want a closet that he doesn't, he's not allowed to go into. I don't want to have some closet deep in my house somewhere where there's some stuff that's hidden away that he doesn't have access to. That's not, that's not good. We don't want that. We want God. I want God. It's go, go harder, go home. Really? (laughs) Jesus said, you're for me or against me. You gather or you scatter. He didn't say you're kind of for me. You didn't say you're kind of for me and kind of for the world. That's not okay. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, it'd be a great thing to do. I mean, or you could hold on to you a little longer and see how long that lasts. But it's no fun. Christianity was not supposed to be boring. It was supposed to be so exciting, so far, so far exceedingly and abundantly above anything. God, eternal life doesn't start when we get to heaven. Eternal life starts when heaven gets into us. God, we want to know you. We love you. We give you glory and honor. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you, God. We, as your people, just say yes. We just say yes, God. We just say yes, God. We ask you to mold us and shape us and change us, God. Jesus told the disciples, He said, "Guys, stay awake and pray, lest temptation hit you." Jesus is a stone throw away. He comes back and the guys are sleeping. Why did He tell them to pray? so that they wouldn't be tempted. God, make us the house of prayer that you created us to be in the beginning, God. The reality of being born again, we are created to be your house of prayer. Let us be a people that pray fervently. Let us be a people that, that fix our eyes on heaven. Let us be a people that set our mind on things above and not beneath, God. God, let us walk in the blessings of Deuteronomy, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. God, we thank you. Let the enemy come at us one way and Run away from us seven different ways. God, I thank you that righteousness and seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness is what opened up the blessings of Deuteronomy. Because Jesus, you who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God that's in Christ Jesus. And that draws the blessing of the Lord. Let us not just work to provide for ourselves, but let us work for seed to pour into others. God, we love you. We don't want to be selfish. We want to be selfless and we want to do kingdom stuff. God, we want to run with you. We want to walk with you. We want to laugh with you. We want to play with you. We want to be those people that are actually happy about our salvation. That actually live in the joy of our salvation. We want to be a people that love you so much that the world is jealous for the love that we carry. God, we ask you to touch our country. We ask you to touch our city, touch our families, God. But first of all, touch us in just a significant way, God, that we are so possessed by truth that every lie is swallowed up in the name of Jesus, God. We worship you. We love you. Father, thank you. Thank you for Father's Day, God. We say, happy Father's Day. We give you the gift of our lives back to you right now. That, Father, may you be pleased with us. May we be a drink offering poured out, poured out on this world, God, that we might be a sweet, sweet, Smelling fragrance to your nostrils God because we being living sacrifices allow you to use us utilize us for your kingdom Jesus we hold nothing back today we love you we give you glory and honor make us intercessors make us prayer warriors make us not warriors but warriors father we thank you we love you we give you honor and glory God I thank you ask you to mark everybody in here. Father, I thank you for sleeping disorders right now being yanked out of this place. Every bit of insomnia, I command it to leave right now in Jesus name. Father, thank you for wholeness. Thank you for no more insomnia, no more sleeping problems, no more disorders of sleep. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you, God, that you give to your beloved rest. Jesus, thank you. Today, we're finding rest from our souls. God, you are going to begin this amazing being taught by Jesus lifestyle. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you. I I thank you for brand new necks in this place in the name of Jesus. Brand Brand new discs in the neck right now be healed in Jesus' name. Every bit of nerve damage, you be healed right now. God, thank you for nerve damage in the neck from a car accident. It gets healed right now in Jesus' name. Father, we love you. We thank you for a brand new neck in Jesus' name. Thank you for every sports injury being healed right now. Shoulders, knees, backs in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for an ACL tear becoming brand new again. Jesus' name. Where the doctor said it'll never fully recover. I thank you for a stronger knee than the other. In the name of Jesus, God, thank you. Brand new discs in the back right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for every herniated disc, every bulging disc, every absence of disc. God, I thank you that you would regenerate, renew, bring brand new right now. Back be healed right now. Sciatic nerve damage, I command you, let go in Jesus' name right now. Be loose, be free in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. We thank you. God, thank you for wholeness in Jesus' name. If I'm calling out something that you're dealing with, I want you to check your body as we're praying right now. Check your back, check your knee, check your neck. Father, we thank you for brand new shoulders in this place, God, brand new rotator cuffs in Jesus' name. God, thank you for an old bursitis work injury being healed right now in Jesus' name. Bursitis, get out in Jesus' name. I command you, let go in Jesus' name right now. Get out. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Right now, more. Bursitis, get out. I cancel your assignment and command you leave. Right now, no more. Jesus, right now, wholeness and healing. Father, thank you. Absolute wholeness in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that digestive disorders are being healed right now. Every bit of acid reflux, Crohn's disease being healed right now. In Jesus' name, every ulcer be gone be completely healed Lord we love you in Jesus name we love you we love you we love you we love you God thank you Ooh, God you say that to be healed is to be forgiven you actually said in James five fourteen, is any money you sick if you're sick let him call let him ask for prayer The prayer of faith will save the sick. And if there's any sins, they'll be forgiven. God, it's so amazing what you do in your word. They lowered the man through the roof. Jesus said, take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. They reasoned in their heart and said, who does this man think he is? Only God can forgive sins. And he said, which is more important to say? Take up your mat and walk or that your sins are forgiven. But you should know that the son of man, Jesus, has authority to forgive sin. Pick up your mat and walk. And he showed the direct correlation from healing and forgiveness. God, thank you. What that means to me is all these drugs that brought stains into my body. The reality of my my liver, my blood, just my lungs, trash from smoking weed, all that stuff happened to me. What you did was you said that I'm never going to be judged for where I've been. So how can where I've been still judge me in my body? Oh, it's redemption. How can a sexually transmitted disease that I got when I was younger still be active in my life once I've repented? Because to be forgiven is to be healed. To be healed is to be forgiven. God wants to take the stain out of your body from a life that you wish you'd never lived. Oh, I've seen so many hepatitis C, so many venereal diseases go. We've seen so many cutting scars disappear right here in this place. Because if you knew who you were, you never would have cut yourself. But now that you do and now that you've repented, scars disappear now in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that every STD disappears now in Jesus' name. Every blood disorder gets healed now in Jesus' name. Every bit. Thank you, Lord. Hep C healed in Jesus' name right now. Brand new liver. Jesus' name. Ooh. This is where it gets so good. No more hepatitis C. Brand new because it's incurable. Doctors freak out when it's gone. Father, I thank you for wholeness in Jesus' name. Every stain from yesterday removed because we've repented and it's no longer who we are. God, thank you. Just like you healed my lungs. Just like you healed my blood. Just like you healed my kidneys. Just like you healed me from all the bad stuff I put in. You made it as if I never sinned. God, thank you that redemption goes way deeper than we've let it. Healing and wholeness, brand new ankle right now in Jesus' name. If that's your ankle, step on it right now. Jesus' name, just step on it. Lord, we love you. We love you. Brand new. Heel spur, get out right now. Just step on your heel. Jesus' name, be gone right now if that's you. If you have a heel spur, step on your heel. Oh, I'm not kidding. It'll disappear right now. Can't stay. Gotta go. Jesus' name. No, seriously. If that's you, step on it. Just step on it. Jesus' name. Brand new. Heel spur, get out. Jesus' name. Brand new right now. Father, I thank you that infertility... In married couples, you gotta be married for this. Prequal. Okay. I want babies. Make a covenant. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for fertility in the womb right now. Jesus' name. Babies. Jesus, thank you. Lord, I thank you that you're also opening up hearts of people to adopt. It's the best thing ever
0: in the whole world
1: Lord thank you brain fog be removed right now Jesus name be removed any form of dementia in Jesus name be removed right now Alzheimer's be removed in Jesus name right now clarity memory loss be healed in Jesus name right now quicken Holy Spirit, quicken the mortal body right now in Jesus' name. We love you, God. We believe your word right now in Jesus' name. Brand new. God, we thank you from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. We thank you for absolute healing and wholeness of every symptom of sickness or disease in the body right now. Every bit right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for healing and wholeness. Every cell. I want you to say this. Put your hand on the person to the left or right of you, please. I want you to pray with me. Please. In the name of Jesus. We thank you for healing. And wholeness. Every cell. Every organ. That includes your pancreas. Being healed. Diabetes, we command you get out. Cancer, we command you get out. In Jesus' mighty name, absolute healing from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. Right now, every bit, every organ be healed. Brand new, God. Arthritis, get out. We break your power right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for absolute wholeness in the name of Jesus right now. Jesus' name, brand new. Right now. I want you to physically check your body for healing right now. I want you to check if anything That you had from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. If you can check it, I want you to check it. Bend over, check your back, check your hips, check your knees, check your shoulder. Last night we had at our training center, we had our our school of power and love. We saw eight deaf ears open last night. Right at the training center. Right here. Jesus, thank you. If healing is manifested and you can tell there's a definite change. I want you to wave your hand so I can see what's happening. If you have healing happening right now in your body, I'm not settling for two, not. So if you have healing that you know is happening, wave your hand at me so I can see what's happening, please. That's not okay for most of it to happen over here and not over here. All right. So who here has a rotator cuff issue over on this side two. You do. Father, thank you in Jesus name for brand new rotator cuff right now. Be healed right now. 100% mobility, Jesus name Lift your arm Jesus name Lift it up Tell me what's going on Come on let's pray again Father I thank you for a brand new rotator cuff In Jesus name Brand new right now, rotator cuff be healed No surgery No surgery in Jesus name Brand new, be healed right now Shoulder be healed Jesus name Check it again. Spirit of infirmity, let go in Jesus' name. Get out, let go now. In Jesus' name. What's it doing? Let's pray again. You're worth it. (laughs) Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for a brand new shoulder right now. God, I thank you that the neck muscles, the trap muscle, would be completely healed right now in Jesus' name. Right now be healed, be made whole. Every bit of pain, let go in Jesus name. God, we love you. We want to believe the truth of the gospel. We want to believe when it says these signs will follow them that believe they will lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. Holy spirit. We want to believe the word. We believe your word. We take you at your word. Shoulder be healed. Neck be healed right now. Spirit of infirmity. Get out in Jesus name. Spirit of infirmity, get out. We cancel your assignment in Jesus' name. Check it again. Out of 100%, where are we at? Okay, let's pray again. Come on. Jeez, are you guys okay with this? This is like... I don't know about you, but this here's church. Like, like if it's not safe in here, we're in trouble. I've been to churches where it's not safe. And Jesus explodes in those places. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Brand new shoulder right now. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Brand new shoulder. God, I thank you for two brand new discs in Jesus' name discs be healed right now in jesus name i command them be healed right now both discs be healed jesus name shoulder be healed right now in the mighty name of jesus absolutely no more pain sciatic nerve you be loosed in jesus name god thank you for wholeness healing and wholeness absolute healing in jesus name spirit of infirmity get out in jesus name right now let go now jesus name Check your back. Check your shoulder, please. Turn sideways. What's going on? Okay, let's do it again. I'm sorry. Jesus has finished work. I'm praying for his back. Brand new disc. Father, we thank you for a brand new shoulder. We thank you for brand new discs right now. Listen, if you've got a problem with your back, just put your hand up. I want somebody to just get around you to, to just put their hand on you right now. Come on, guys. We're the body of Christ. Let's believe right now. Let's believe for healing right now. In the mighty name of Jesus right now. Back, I command you be healed. Just speak to their back. Back, be healed. Shoulder, be healed. Just speak to it right now. Back, we command you be whole right now. In Jesus' name. Brand new. No more pain. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you that this one will be able to run again. I see you running, man. I see running was like a big deal to you. Sports was a big deal to you. God wants you to be able to play again, bro. He doesn't want you to be in pain. Come on. It's not all work and no fun. Jesus' name. He's also increasing the reality of the the entrepreneur, the reality of business that's upon your life. It's going to be absolutely ridiculous because in this last season, things have been stolen from you and taken from you. And you've said, I can't believe that this has happened. You were in partnership with somebody that you shouldn't have been. But God's lining a partnership with divine, divine partnership with God it's going to be amazing because he knows that you're a man that sows seed so he provides seed to the sower that's what your whole goal has been i want to provide kingdom finances so i can see the devil destroyed and the enemies come after you to destroy business but he's not going to get away from it he's not going to get away with it he's not unnoticed he is seen he is caught and he must restore sevenfold father thank you in jesus name god i thank you in the name of jesus Come on, God just got bigger than we're ready for, but he's gooder than we think. And he's a good father and you're his son that he loves and cares for. So God, I ask you to bless him exceedingly and abundantly. Let finances overwhelm him to the place where he doesn't even know what to do because he's a radical, generous giver. That's why God, thank you that you provide seed to the sower in Jesus name. Transformation, absolute, ridiculous change and back you be healed too. You're going to need it. You're gonna need it for your golf game, pal, in Jesus' name. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name. Woo! So good. Check your back. Come on. Just be healed already. Hey! Hey! Come on. Hey!
2: Come on, man. What's up?
1: Come on, on, Jesus. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. God, I ask you, like a wrecking ball, sweep through his life and crush hell in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for the peace of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God, and the mercy of God. Father, thank you for massive transformation. God, we love you. I thank you that today is a new day in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that this man's sleep is restored to him, completely never robbed again. I thank you that any kind of eating stuff is restored to him, God. Absolute amazing grace, God. Thank you. Brand new digestive system brand new health god we thank you for this man coming alive in the kingdom again in jesus name thank you lord in jesus name god we say yes to you in jesus name you be healed bend and check your back bend and check it come on come on oh that's better hey come on hey, amen come on come on, come on come on can we all give Jesus praise come on yes yes hey come on guys the devil's a liar Jesus is king amen 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 who here has experienced some kind of healing today wave your hand at me right now come on come on come on Come on. You should be waving your hand because
2: there's
1: (laughs) the devil is a liar. That's right. Come on, guys. Can we just can we just give Jesus praise right now? Can we just give him just give him praise? God is so good. He's so faithful. He loves you. I love you. I've got books in the back if you want to get one. Honestly, we've seen so many atheists come to Jesus through them we've seen so many people that don't believe believe they're in prisons lots of people in prison are getting set free from those books we're seeing lots of lots of prodigal sons and daughters come home to god super powerful my journey into the supernatural lifestyle believing god would heal started i have it all inside of there i prayed for over 900 people before i saw one person healed and then jesus exploded and god wants to do it in you and through you amen Amen. Happy Father's Day. I love you. I'm going to go and be with my family a little bit right now. Amen. Amen. Bless God. He loves you guys. Thank you.
2: Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Consumed Church weekly podcast. This entire service and others can be viewed on our Facebook and YouTube channels. If you would like to partner with us in raising the next generation of kingdom bringers, you can do so at the consumed Church dot com slash give.